They shall speak with what? New, how many? Plural. New tongues. In other words, it is told us that one of the signs that follows a believer is a new way of speaking. And it's not just one tongue, it's plural. And so, he talks to us about spiritual languages. Oh, I just don't believe that. What do you think it means? It means just what I told you it means. It means just what it said. You're going to speak with new tongues. Not tongues that have already been here. Not tongues that have come from the earth. Not tongues that have followed cultures and nationalities. But tongues that come from God. Now, the next verse. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them or hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now, what is a language? A language is a body of words used by a people of the same community, nationality, or culture, a system of communication. Now, that's what a language is. It is a system of the use of words. That's what languages are. A system of the use of words. A system of the use of words. Now, languages are learned or are a learned way of communication of the citizens of a culture or a nationality or citizens of a nation. In our case, it is a language that is learned because we are citizens of heaven. Now, it is a learned way of talking. When we raise children, do we just say, talk however you want? So he listens to the dog. So every time you ask him, you want a cookie? What would you say to him? Stop it. I give you a dog biscuit. What do you do? You teach them how to talk. Cookie, cookie. Here, candy, candy. Toy, money. Oh, good. You know, this is this, this is that. This is good, this is bad. This is a cuss word. This is not a cuss word. You teach them the language to function in the realm where they are a citizen of, don't you? And if you don't, you're going to get languages that you don't want coming from your children. Come on, it's the truth. Now, our languages, our languages identify us. Where were you born again? Nigeria, really. Give me a couple of Nigerian words. Kedukade. You say call the car? What, what? How are you? How are you? Now, anybody in here from Nigeria? Nobody. Now, what did that just do for you and I? That language just identified him and gave him identity not by looks, but by language. Is that true? By language. You speak Spanish, do you? Give me a couple words. Buenos dias. Now, who in here is speak Spanish? You, you do, Mary? What did he say? He said what? Good morning. So, good morning. Good morning to you, too. Now, so our languages that we learn bring us to identification with the world. So when languages are used, they establish us of where our citizenship is or where our birthright lays, right? The woman that was by the fire with Peter said, your speech reveals that you are from the shores of Galilee and that you are a follower of him. Peter immediately changed his speech and started cussing and she said, oh, I guess you're not. Yeah. Now, languages give us an identity that you and I live with. Not only do languages give us an identity, but they reveal to the people 
an expected way of living. See, when you talk like a Christian, people expect you to live like one. Yeah, and when they see something different, they say, they're hypocrites. But so when we speak, it is supposed to identify us with a way of living, a way of action, and a way of response to each other, as well as to those that do not live within the culture of our faith. Lori, does he act different? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Does he act different than you and your father and your family? He has different mannerisms. He likes eating different food. Because I've been with him. He said, oh, Pastor, let me take you to this African restaurant. Yeah, that was a one-time journey, I'll tell you that. I wasn't going back there for love if he did buy mine. Oh, no, I'll buy it. I thought, yeah, you buy it a thousand times, ain't coming back here. And the restaurant went out of business. Thank God, hallelujah, a pizza place can move in. But listen, now, he has different cultures, even though they now live in the same house. They're married, but his language that pins him or connects him with his heritage supersedes the other covenant. Now, you have an earthly covenant that you were born of the earth. You have earthly mannerisms and so forth. But when you get born again, that culture and that type of living is to trump the other covenant that you have with this earth. You are now not your own. You're bought with a price. Could have get an amen. Now, there are all types of languages that are learned in, and in any language, they are learned by education and they teach us as a people how to speak within the culture that we live in. They teach us in school. They teach us to try to have perfect English. And if you learn Spanish in school, when you go to Mexico, you'll know nothing. Because Mexican people do not speak perfect Mexican or Spanish. They speak street language. Like you try to get somebody to speak proper English, which I'm never going to, never have, and I'm not even near it. But nobody speaks proper English except people that have rods in their back. And you oh, my words. Don't you know that that's an adjective and not an adverb? You are double, double doing yourself. I think, oh, shut up. They told me ain't wasn't a word years ago, and finally the dictionary surrendered and said, Peter's right, it is. Now it's in there. But I see, I knew I was right before they ever wrote it. So, but nobody speaks perfect stuff. But when you and I as believers come into the kingdom of God, we are to learn the language. If you're going to move to a country to be a missionary, you're going to move to a country to spend any time there, you are going to have to learn the language. Could I get an amen? All right. Now, the process of learning simply means that we accumulate knowledge in order to make sure that we make right, rational decisions and judgments. But if we will learn languages from God, guess what? We'll make right, rational judgments based on faith and not on fear. Amen. Now, let's go back to Proverbs 22.6. This is a primary place that people learn languages. Hey, could I have that uh, little excerpt up there, that little thing that took place? Now... This is a miracle that takes place in Mexico City. This girl is a Hispanic woman, a Mexican girl that has been born in a Mexican house, raised in Mexico City, but God touches her. Can I have that on the screen? We were born there. She can't talk. She 
Now, I command you right now, you deaf and dumb devil. I command you in the name of Jesus. I command you, you deaf devil right now, come out of her in Jesus' name. Be open. Now, I command you right now, you deaf devil. I command you to come out right now. Be open. Spirit, right now, I come now. Remember, he's Mexican in Jesus' name. Now, say this, say Jesus. Put that microphone right there. She said, Say Jesus. Now, this girl was that's born good enough, right there. That's all I needed. Now, this girl is born deaf and dumb, she's about 15 years old. She lives in Mexico, she is Mexican, she's been surrounded by Mexicans. Her mother can't speak English. The devil comes out and she speaks. What does she speak? English. The interpreter said, oh my God, she can't do that. She's speaking English. That's wrong. I said, how can it be wrong? She is learning how to talk and it's based on what she gives her ear to. Doesn't matter where you're raised. If you will hear what God is saying to you, You'll talk like the Father. See, it's what you give your ear to. And just like that girl, most Christians are about half deaf when it comes to the Scripture. Yeah, they hear it, but they just, they, they hear it with half belief. Oh, I believe it, but I ain't doing that. Oh, I, I believe giving works, but I'm going to live in poverty. I'm going to live in lack. I'm going to live in want. Oh, I believe in tithing, but I ain't doing that. I believe in laying hands on the sick, but it never works for me. That's half ear. That's half ear stuff. Now, let's go to, praise God, I shouldn't have done that. Proverbs 22, 6. And it says this. Now, this is the number one place that children are to learn and where people that get saved are to learn. Train up the child or teach him, the child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that is a true line of teaching. Ephesians said we are to teach our children in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. In other words, we are to teach our children how to talk. Amen? Now, let's go to uh, Genesis 18 and verse 18. Genesis 18, 18. We're going to start getting into the heart of our uh, message right now. Genesis 18, 18. And it says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and shall all the nations of the earth shall be blessed of him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, and that the Lord may, that, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Now, what does Abraham teach his children? He teaches him the way of the Lord, but he also, in, Ro in Romans 4.17, he teaches them how to talk, speaking things that are not as though they are. Is that true? Absolutely. So, in our households that we live in, our children are learning how to talk. Now, you may be teaching them a cursed way how to talk or a righteous way how to talk. You know, when you see a need and you say, man, I'll tell you what, we never have another. I'll tell you, tithing doesn't work. You're teaching your children how to talk. To rail against a faithful God that he is unfaithful. That, that's what you're doing. Then we talk about Christians we talk about, they did this, they did that, they did that. What are you doing? You're teaching your children to divide the kingdom. Amen. I'm coming, don't worry. I'm coming and I'm going to lamb slap it right by the foot, right where we live. And then our children follow the way they talk now enforces the way they live. Do you know that? Yeah. How you talk creates the lifestyle 
you live. If you talk like a carnal Christian, you are always going to have flesh uprivals. They're going to rise up and they're going to possess you and overtake you. Has nothing to do with, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. But your mouth determines your actions. Mm. 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 Your mouth determines your rejection of God or your acceptance of God. Numbers, the 13th chapter. They said, we can't go, we can't do this, we can't do that. God said, well, you know what? Then they won't go in. Only Caleb and Joshua will go in because they said they could. Yeah. 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 And you know what happened? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 128, Joshua said, hey, let's go up. They said, we can't go up. Our hearts are discouraged because our brethren said. Now they have become faithless, depressed, discouraged because of the way they talked created a way that they should live. They started living in a victim mentality. Grasshopper land. Now, let's go to uh, Genesis. It's the 11th chapter. Let's go to Genesis, the 11th chapter. So we are commanded. Somebody say commanded. To teach our children. God told them in Deuteronomy 6, Now I brought you out. Now you teach your children to live in my ways. God is so emphatic about this. Let me throw this big heavy on you. That if your child didn't obey you in the old covenant, were you supposed to have a birthday party for him? What was supposed to happen to him? No, no, he didn't get a whipping. He was supposed to be stoned. You know, God hates hypocrisy, disobedience, rebellion, and rejection of life. He hates it. Now, you say, oh, no, God doesn't hate it. Tell that to the children that were stoned. See, you think, oh, God, God doesn't care. Oh, God is emphatic about holiness, purity, and faith because it determines eternity. And however you talk begins to infest itself in everybody that hears it, whether they're involved or not. Mm -hmm. Now, some of you are raising little devils. You let them talk back to you, and they still have their teeth. Now, don't get mad. I just said that. Now, you go, go ahead. Put it on the web. Pastor Dosak is an abuser. I didn't say that. I just said they talk and they still got their teeth. I didn't say anything about doing anything. Don't treat me like CNN treats everybody. Now, now, but we let them talk like that. We laugh about it. We encourage them four or five times, put that down. No, no, I want to play. No, I want this. And you just let them do that. You are raising a cursed child. Because the way they're talking is the way they're going to live. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I'm I'm going to throw this out. How many of you have ever heard of hip-hop music? How does it address women? Disrespect, you know. So what does that create in the women's lives that are involved in hip-hop? The same thing that they're declaring over them. And they never complain about sexual harassment. They submit to it because is being proclaimed in their ears. They hear a language. Mm -hmm. That's why poverty has such a hold on people. I was raised on the wrong side of the track. We never had nothing. Ain't going to have nothing. If you don't get to hearing something else, you're going to live on the wrong side of the track and you ain't never going to have nothing. Amen? Yeah. You know, people say, well, you know, if you are ugly, you get ugly. Thank God I changed my words early in life. And I said, no matter if I am ugly, I'm going to find beautiful. So I did. I found a blind woman, didn't have much sense, and married her. Hallelujah! (laughs) Now, 
<clears throat> but I just want you to understand that your words dictate the way that you live for God. The Bible says that when they seen the city that was made of God, they started confessing that they were pilgrims and they came through the land, refused to be a part of it and refused to go back to the land where God was not their God. But what did they do? They confessed that they were pilgrims in the land. And see, if you just keep confessing who you were before you met God, you're just going to act like that old man. You're just going to act like him because your talk is going to determine your actions. Now, do, I'm sorry, Genesis 11, 1, watch this. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. Notice, the whole earth is headed one way. Why are they headed one way? Somebody say, one language one language and they journeyed from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there and they said they said they said they said one to another hey go let's make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar and they said, hey, they said, wow, they said, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city. That means they're building something. How did that building start? They said. They said. And when they said, they joined together and loosed a potential that could not be stopped by anything but God. And God couldn't stop it. He had to undermine the root cause of the potential. We're going to see that. And it says, and the tower which the children, somebody say the children of men built. Okay. And it says, and the Lord said, behold, the people is what? One. And they have all one what? And this they begin to do, and now nothing will restrain them which they have imagined to do. Wow. Go. Let us go down and there confound, break all their arms and tear down their city with fire and brimstone. What did it say? Let us go down and confound their language. Whoa, why? Because without the language, there is no city. Without the language, there is no oneness. Without the language, strength is diminished. Without language, vision is lost. Without language, they will be scattered. And then it says this, that they may not understand one another's speech so that the Lord scattered them abroad from thence and upon the face of all the earth and they left off, they left off, they left off to build the city. Why? They stopped talking to each other. <clears throat> so, think what that language did and what it does in your house. You teach that language, guess what? Your children will never stay within the city of faith that you are building in your house. Absolutely. They will leave the house. Yes. Why? Oh, they don't love God. Oh, no, no, no. Well, God don't love them. Oh, no, no. Well, the devil. Maybe the devil's tongue in you. But not, not really not the devil. You let them talk like the world. You talk like the old man. And they will end up being scattered. Your house, your city of faith, that which you are trying to build will never be finished. What did God do? All he did was smite their language. 
what does the devil do? He just causes you to talk like one of his. And your language seeds the children and they go their way because they aren't taught to speak a language. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's real simple from that scripture. Now, having said that, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, 5. It's really not what I had in motion, but I'm going to go this way. I'm kind of enjoying it. I'll get in the other language of, that, of Abraham. And it says this, that in everything ye are enriched by him. Somebody say, by him. That means that you are abundantly enabled to accomplish what needs to be done by Christ himself. Now, and then it says this, and in all utterance. Somebody say, in all utterance. Do you know that you are to allow Jesus to teach you how to talk? And you are to put off the old way of conversations. He says here that we are enriched, enabled to accomplish the impossible feats. And he does that in utterance and in knowledge. This is the educator. Jesus is teaching people how to talk. It says in all utterance and all knowledge. Next verse. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that your tongue has a lot to do with you operating in the gifts and the purposes of God. And then it says this, Who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of Jesus Christ, the highest authority, Paul, arrest their attention. That you all speak the way you want. What does it say? That you all speak the what? So that there be no division. Oh, wow, the Tower of Babel. Among you. But that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So that we can build the kingdom. That heaven can touch earth, not that earth can go one way and touch heaven. For it hath been, watch this, this is so sad. Because it hath been declared unto me, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Cleo, Cleo, and that that there are contentions among you. Wow. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of, of... Cephas and I am of Christ. Wait, wait a second. Where did the division and contentions come from? Their language. Their language. Their language divided the kingdom. And how many of you know that no kingdom is going to stand when it's divided against itself? Amen. The enemy of the church is not the devil. He is a small part, but the biggest part is the ignorance and the non-compliant, rebellious spirit of Christians. God, you might be the only one here next week. But I'm just telling you, it, it does not matter. Listen, people are going to go to hell or they're going to go to heaven. And the church has got to stop It's rebellious assault against the purpose of God. Amen. The wicked say, he will not be Lord over our tongue. That's what the wicked say. The righteous say, I only speak what the Lord has me speak. Next verse. Turn that little screen off. I went into the black there. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 3. 
Now I'll show you the side effect of God's response or God's hands being tied because of the church's division by their language. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto what? Carnal. Where did the carnal come from? Divisions and contentions caused by their verbiage. Wow. We're trying to build something for God, and we're constantly tearing down every brick that we lay. But as unto carnal, even as unto babies in Jesus... I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet are ye now able. For, if, for ye are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men. Now, that gives us a great judging stick. If you are not talking the languages of faith, you are entering into carnal land. You are a divider filled with strife and envy. But I, I love everybody. I know, but it's your mouth that don't. You curse that which God hath blessed, and then you bless God with the same tongue. Forbid that type of stuff, James says. It cannot, should not be. Either make it sweet or make it bitter, but stop living in the middle of both. Amen. Nobody should ever talk about another believer. What is that? The first thing I say to Lincoln and Quentin when they're fighting, hey, 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 what are you, a Christian? Then I say, shut up and act like it. If not, the wrath of God is about to fall on you. Yeah, I remember one time I got a signed T-shirt by uh, Kevin Van Dam, which is, is, is a big deal. And uh, I prayed for a friend of his, and God had healed him of cancer. So Kevin Van Dan signed his T-shirt and sent it to me. I gave it to uh, Lincoln. I said, man, look at this. They started arguing. I went this. I just took them both, threw them out the window on 75. They said, what's that for? I said, now you can go back to talking nice. Yeah. Whatever is causing you to talk mean, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. You're killing the building. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Put that on the screen. Now, I know what everybody thinks that this says. It says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. Woo! There you go. Next verse. If any man defile the temple of God, he shall destroy him, and the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Now, we always say, oh, you don't smoke, defile the temple of God. That don't defile nothing. You don't defile it by food. You don't defile it by being fat, by being skinny, by being lazy, by being sick. You don't defile it anyway. You know how you defile the temple? Your language. And the temple is not just you. The temple is the church. And you start laying waste to the building of God and the building of faith and the household of faith. In judgment, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of God. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, you are. Do not think that God is a just God to save everybody and never called, hold anybody accountable. What is that? No, that's grandparenting. God's not a grandparent, He's a parent. He carries the rod of a shepherd. And he calls us back and corrects us with it. Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, get this. God is faithful to the just, to the unjust, and to the just that have turned unjust. Oh, you're preaching fear. Yeah, yeah. let it shake you to your boots. And save your soul from hell. Amen. Absolutely. Let it shake you. And you, if you can find what I'm preaching is wrong, then hey, let's you and I sit down and reason together. But you better bring a lot of scriptures. You, you better bring a bunch of them. Because your tongue is destroying and withholding. Paul said, I can't. I, do you realize 
the Pauline revelation was held back from the Corinth church. It stagnated the transformation of the new creation of putting off the old. Could that be why many Christians are struggling and living in carnality, fighting with lust, which should never be named among the believers? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is your tongue, bud. Your tongue, your tongue. Amen? Amen. It's your tongue. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah, having said that, boy, let's move on to something a little more cheerier. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, I'm just telling you, we got to get it right. Amen. All right, let's quickly go through this. Uh, Let's go to Genesis 26. These are the languages that Abraham taught his children and that many times you and I are still under. And it says this, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went down to Amalek, king of the Philistines, and to Gear. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. And so sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and to thy seed I will give this land and these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. So I will make thy seed is multiply as the stars in... Oh, you took me to... I said verse 1, huh? I'm sorry. Can we go down to verse 6? That'll save some time. I'm sorry. Okay, and Isaac dwelt in the land of Gerar. Okay, next verse. And the men of that place asked him of his wife, and he said, Oh, she's my sister. She's my sister. Would be to God, my wife was that good looking. I had to lie. Never mind. Moving right along. She is my sister, for he feared to say, She is my wife. Least said he, the men of that place, thou shalt kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. Wow. And it came to pass that when he had been there a long time that Amalek, the king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was fooling around with Rebekah in a way that a brother should never fool with his sister. I think he was harassing her. And uh, now let's go to Genesis 20, Genesis 20 and verse 1. Where did Isaac learn such falsehood? Abraham journeyed thence to the south of the country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gear. Oh, same land. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, said of Sarah, his wife. And Amalek, oh, same king, Gear sent and took Sarah. And God came to Amalek in a dream by night and said to him, Hey, buddy, thou art nothing but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, she is a, man, uh, she is a man's wife. Oh, and Amalek said, Oh, God, I, I, I'm, I have not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? And said, he nodded to me, she's my sister. And she even herself said, oh, he's my brother. And the, and the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, have I done this? And God said to him in a dream, yea, I know that thou didst in the integrity of thine heart. I also withheld thee. In other words, I have given you E.D. Is that right? E.D. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. E.D. And I have withheld thee from sinning against me. Would be to God that every single man gets it. Amen. Moving right along. I see nobody's going to pray that. And it says, now therefore restore this man. Boy, they didn't even want to hear the rest of that story. They flipped me to another verse. And for he is a prophet and he shall pray for thee and thou shalt live. And if thou shalt restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die and all that are thine oh man next verse 
Therefore, Amalek rose up early in the morning. He called all his servants and he told them of, in the ears. And the men were so afraid. Oh, my God. And Amalek called Abraham and said unto him, Hey, what hast thou done unto us? And what, and what have I offended thee? That thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom this great sin which thou hast deed done unto me that thou oughtest not be done. And Amalek said unto Abraham, What? sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of the Lord is not in this place, and they shall slay me for my wife's sake. In other words, you know the first language that God taught Isaac, Abraham taught Isaac, the language of fear. Do you teach your children the language of fear and cause them to be in the hands of other kings? The language of fear. Do you talk about well, it won't work for us. I don't know what to do. I don't know, honey. I'm not. Oh, you know, sometimes it does and sometimes it don't. You know, I don't know if we can. Tr Is that what we teach our children? That's a language of fear. We should never teach our children that. Amen. Now, let's go to Genesis 26, 8 through 9. Oh, goodness. I hear the chicken getting real brown. The mashed potatoes are hot and the gravy is just bubbling. Lord, green bean casserole. Whoo, hallelujah. Is that what you're having, Pastor? Are you kidding me? All right, now. And it came to pass that when he had been there a long time, that Amalek, king of the Philistines, looked out a window, and he saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Steve, stand up and take a dream and show us what sporting is. Any of you women want your husband to show us what sporting is? <laughs> Some say, is he, is, does that mean he'll be alive? Yeah, well, maybe. Now, all right, next verse. Uh, and Amalek called Isaac, uh, oh, and said, Surely she is thy wife. How sayest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Least I die for her. In other words, I love her, but I ain't dying for this gal. <laughs> now, what language is Isaac teaching us? What language did he speak that Amalek understood this is not his sister? A way of life, action, and reaction. Those are languages. The lifestyles that we live are the lifestyles that tell people who is Lord of our life. Amen? And so... We need to make sure that our lifestyle projects that to our children. Amen? Phyllis and I just getting on ourselves the other day. We'd made a uh, thing that we was going to start making our grandkids get down on their knees and pray with us before they go to bed. Yep. And we'd just been neglecting it. We'd, yeah. just, we'd get tired and say, oh, my God, I'm going to, I can understand. I get up with them 5 o'clock in the morning, taking fishing, hunting, golfing. I do all that kind of stuff. Man, come 8 o'clock, buddy, I am just... I'm wrong. I'm like Abraham. May a man 99 years old get up in the morning? Yes, hallelujah. I'm tired. And they say, Papa, why are you always sleeping? I say, because you do in the car. <laughs> and so he teaches them by action. What are your actions teaching your children? Nikki came to me one time, Dr. Oberlin, and she said, Dad, you're pretty grumpy. Have you been spending time with mom? I said, what do you mean? She said, you know, the way that grown-up people do. I said, yeah, that doesn't seem to be a problem. She said, then you need to pray more because you're grumpy. So either have plenty of marital relationships or pray more, but change your lifestyle. Amen? If your children are seeing you fighting and fussing, Guess what you're going to raise? Fighting and fussing kids. You ever see people that come out of an alcoholic family marry an alcoholic? Why would you do that? You come out of a household where the father beats the wife and the girl marries a wife beater. Why? Because that's what they expect. That's what you taught them. Amen? Don't put up with that. Don't let people talk down to you. Amen? All right, Genesis 28, 19 through 20. We're quickly going through this. Oh, man. Now, 
Uh, no, no, you know, I'm going to skip that one. That has to do with the lifestyle of tithing. And I, I seem to be encouraging you today. And uh, so I, I won't hit you that. Jacob seen the lifestyle of tithing on Abraham, and he did it when he was in a pinch. Now, let's go to Genesis 13, 5. 13, 5. I'm about to wrap this up, sweetheart. Okay. A couple more. All right. Are you hungry? No. Are you bored? No. You just good. want me done? No, it's really good. You got plans for afternoon? No. Yes. With me? No. Our couch. Our couch. Well, let's move right along. Hallelujah. Oh, we have a new couch coming. <laughs> and Lot also went with Abraham and had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them and that they might dwell there together. For the substance was great, and so they could not dwell together. And there was strife and division among the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Prezizites dwelled in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Look, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brothers. Is not this the whole land set before? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, and if thou wilt go to the left, then I'll go to the right, or if you go and depart into the right, then I'll go to the left. So Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, the plain of Jordan, uh, and it was all well watered and every, everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and even as a garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou came unto Zoar. And Lot chose him all of the plains of Jordan, plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves in, separated themselves one from another. Now, that's all I need to read. Now, what is this? Abraham's action. What type of language is he teaching his children of faith right now? The language of unity and the language of love. The language of unity and the language of love, preferring our brother above ourself. A language of love and a language of unity. John 13, 34 through 35 says this. He gave them a new commandment and he said, By this thou shalt they know that thou art my disciples if you love one another. Love is not just talked about. It is lived. Right? And so, the Bible says in 1 John 3, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, that if we have this world's goods, shut up our bowels when we see a brother's needs, how dwells the love of God in us? And then if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it tells us how love is supposed to speak. How it's supposed to speak. So we need to learn a language of love. And then, the last language of love is this, found in Luke, the 10th chapter. And Jesus said this, Tell me what is the greatest command. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. How many of we have people over our house, and they say, Oh, I see you got neighbors there. Yeah, man, that guy's a stick in the mud. He's always... A now, who would talk about somebody they love? Why would you say that? He's always doing this. He's... Why would you reveal his faults when love covers a multitude of sin? Why would you curse him when God asked you to bless him? Why are we living like the devil's kids? And then it says this, and a man went down to Jericho. The priest passed them by, the Levite priest, all the people walked by him except a Samaritan. Sometimes the world does what Christians are supposed to do. And what does he do? The Samaritan comes down and finds this man broken. Now, most of the church is on this side of the street, not on the side of the street of the injured brother. We don't want to get touched by people's problems. 
We don't want to get involved. Oh, they got marriage issue. Oh, there's something wrong with him. Well, you know, they, 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 they're struggling financially. They're, do you have any money? Then help their struggle get re rectified. Oh, my God, I can't do that. Well, if you're going to talk love, you can. Come on, Christians. Amen. Hey, I think Christ is getting in the heart of people. They're saying amen. But the church should be saying amen. What good is money when you're dead? It might buy a nice box, but it ain't going nowhere besides that. Well, I'm going to leave it to my kids. They'll spend it and end up eating like the hogs. You better leave them faith, holiness, purity, commitment, languages that they can live by. Amen? Not just money they can spend. Right? When you die, oh fool, whose money is it going to be now? Money is just a different row than the piece of wood that went down the Charmin Isle. And I've been in pinches where I wish to God I'd had a few bucks instead of leaves. Now, but there was this one Samaritan that did by conscience sake what God required his people to do by spirit's sake. He goes over and finds this man broken, robbed, has nothing, bad decisions, bad choices. He made his bed, let him lie in it. You know, they're doing something wrong, anything. You know, they, there's got to be something wrong there. Things are going wrong. No, that was the priests and the rabbis over there and the Philistines on that side of the road. The Samaritan doesn't care how he got there. He just picks him up, act of love, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, and said, here's money. Now, if he has need of anything, just take care of it, and I'll pay you when I come back. He was coming back to check on the man, to make sure life was dealing him a fair shake. See, that's the love life. The love life never shuns problems. It looks for them. It looks for them. It looks for him. I thought about today, I thought, God, what could I do to end a service that's going to create a spirit of anxiety and malice and hatred against me? I could hear him saying, I know how you feel. <laughs> he said, I had that attitude when I said, you bunch of vipers. So I thought, how could I end such a great word? The people would just be shouting and standing and waving their handkerchiefs, throwing their coats on the floor, jumping out of their shoes and running the aisles. God, how can I stop that and send them home? I'm waiting for that moment. <laughs> but what if I could today say how many people are not going to be able to buy groceries this week I've been there I've been there lots of times it, it might not have been six months ago Phil said honey we got twenty dollars to run on I said could I carry it she said no I said well, why can't I carry it no but some way she went shopping that week. But every time I said, honey, could I have a hamburger? No, we only got $20. But I noticed the $20 never diminished or dwindled. I think she was lying to me. Her stash, yeah, her stash. Hallelujah. I opened a purse the other day and so much money fell out. I, I little ran to the roof. I thought somebody had sent Santa Claus early. Now, if you don't have enough, and I want you to be honest with yourself, if you don't have enough to buy groceries this week, 
and you're in a pinch, I want you to stand to your feet. No shame, no pressure. But what we want to do is make sure that you eat, your kids eat, and that you have enough to get by. So if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Wherever you are, don't worry about, oh, well, why does somebody see me? I want them to see you. Hallelujah. I want them to see you. Anybody? Oh, here's one. Come down here. Give me some money. Phyllis, where's your purse? I've seen money laying in your purse today. You knew I was going to do this, didn't you? You did too. Go get her purse. Now, don't take any of the money out of it. Who else? Anybody else? Now, who is pinched for gas this week? Who is pinched for gas this week? You don't have enough money to get back and forth for gas once you stand your feet up. And I also, there, there's a gas bill that you need to pay. It is a, it's a, a what do you call those things? Uh, natural gas, I guess. So you must be on natural gas. Okay, guys, there you go, Thelma. Go home and eat. Goodbye, Thelma. Go home and eat. Hold that, Steve. Hallelujah. Wait, don't worry. We aren't done giving yet. Hallelujah. Lord, gee, money. Give me some money. Here, Jim, I'll hold that. Come on, give me some money. Hallelujah. All right. Now, who doesn't have gas to get to work next week? Who? You. Good deal. How much your, how much your truck take? You got a truck? Well, good. That's 60 bucks. That'll get you there. All right, who else doesn't have enough money to get to? Gee, my knee. I'm leaving Phyllis. No, no. Here, here, hold this, Jesse. Lord, gee, many, I'll get used to touching money. What do you have need of? Food. Give me some food money, Jesse. There you go, buddy. You're welcome. What are you here for? All right, food and gas right here, Jesse. Give her some food and gas money. You got gas money. Okay. All right. Good deal. Who has that gas bill? Give it to Jesse. I'm liable to run off and spend it. Go. <laughs> Who has that uh, gas bill that needs to be paid? It's, it's a natural bottle of gas, whatever it is, for your house. Is, it, is that you, sir? Okay. All right. Food and gas, Jesse. Well, you might, do you carry the money of your house? Boy, you're pretty good at that, buddy. That's you. Alrighty. Now, who has that gas bill? I want to wrap this up. What do you have, Dan? Oh, for gas bill. That's from Brother Harold. From Harold. Okay. Right now, who has that gas bill that needs to be paid? Phils, did you pay ours? No. That must be us. We have a gas bill that's not paid. Fifty dollars. Do you have change? trying to be blessed of the Lord now who has that gas bill I'm going to say it one more time and then I'm moving on come down here and get it hallelujah then will you dish that out okay who's got three boys who has three boys here you, you got three boys do they need shoes Well, come down here, young lady. Come on. And I remember I used to walk through the school halls, and, and that's when, uh, uh, what were those shoes? Uh, what, what were they? No, Converse were 50 cents a pair at United. And, and the whole sides would wear out, and the only thing kept together was that rubber piece on the toe. And then pretty soon that'd wear out and they go plunk, 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 plunk. They knew I was coming. Here comes the man with no shoes. But I lived. I survived. Hallelujah. But I don't think anybody else would have to do that. Did you get the shoe, lady? All right, good deal. Uh, man, what are we going to do with all that money? If you could meet a need, what need?
All right. Jason, can you give that to Phyllis? Make sure you mark the bills, because I tell you, they love. This is for a lady that's getting ready to go into a hospital. She has counseled with Phyllis. She has no way to pay her rent and uh, pay her house payment and to take care of her while she's in the hospital. So Phyllis will take care of that. Okay, thank you, Jason. All right, hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We want to walk in the language of the faith. We want to walk, God, in the languages of action, reactions. We want our children to reflect what we have learned from you. God, we want our children to live in the realm of faith that they'll not depart, they'll not be scattered, but that, God, they'll stay connected to the building of the kingdom. Now, God, we thank you, and we give you the praise and the glory. Now, God, I ask you to touch and to bless every household that is here. Touch and bless every business. And, God, let us rise up, and, God, we're going to declare and to speak and to live the life of Christ. We are the seed of Abraham through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are children of faith. We are children of obedience, diligence, consistency, steadfastness, righteousness, and holiness. It is our identity to speak kingdom language in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. See you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock.